4: Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound
5: On. Our private sector has now recovered all of the jobs lost during the pandemic and added jobs on top of that. The wage growth, we're seeing some of the biggest gain in the lowest income earners, which is good. Obviously, we're still dealing with inflation.
4: Bloomberg Sound On, politics, policy and perspective from DC's top
6: names. Is it possible? that he decides not to step down.
5: So much of the Democratic base has been demoralized with Biden. Sometimes I think unfairly because he's not seen as being angry enough.
4: Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio.
7: All of the jobs lost in COVID restored, according to the White House. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics. As we check under the hood of a stronger than expected jobs report today and what it means for inflation, and the Biden administration's economic agenda. Joining us to discuss in just a moment, Austin Goolsbee, former chair of the White House Council of Economic Advisors. Later, it may be the biggest economic story that no one is talking about. Enhanced subsidies for Obamacare are set to expire at the end of the year. Democrats are worried about the potential impact and whether they can find a solution in time. We'll talk about it with the architect of the Affordable Care Act, Professor John Gruber, economist, at MIT. And our signature panel is in place on a Friday. Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano helping us distill all of the news over the course of the hour. And first, we update the markets on a Friday here. And in the wake of the jobs report, a mixed finish for Wall Street. Little changed actually in the end. The S&P 500 down three points. The Dow Industrial Average down 46, but the Nasdaq finished higher, up 14, making for the longest win streak on the Nasdaq since November. All three indexes banked gains for the week. The Nasdaq was actually the big winner, up 4.6% this week. The S&P up 2%. The 10-year note yielding 3.07%. Traders reacting to a stronger than expected jobs report, which we're going to discuss, as I mentioned in a moment, with Austin Goolsby showing payrolls up by 372,000 jobs. Estimates were calling for 250K. The unemployment rate, holding steady at 3.6%. So President Biden spoke to the job gains today in an event at the White House.
5: Here he is. Our private sector has now recovered all of the jobs lost during the pandemic and added jobs on top of that. We have more Americans working today in the private sector than any day under my predecessor, more today than any time in American history.
7: Labor Secretary Marty Walsh was also upbeat when he appeared on Bloomberg after the release of the report, but he tried to maintain little perspective. Here's the secretary.
5: The wage growth was seeing the, the biggest, well, some of the biggest gain in the lowest income earners, which is good. Obviously, we're still dealing with inflation and and the, the wage growth isn't quite keeping up with in inflation. But I think what we want to do is actually bring inflation down.
7: Well, let's get into that and get into the fine print and the messaging from this White House with someone who's been there, former chair of the White House Council of Economic Advisors, now Professor of Economics at the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business. That's Austin Goolsbee. Welcome, sir, back to Bloomberg.
8: Thank you for having me back.
7: Always our pleasure. Today's jobs report shows unexpected strength in hiring from last month. Does this make you feel more confident that we can avoid a recession?
8: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it was a pretty amazing report Uh, The unemployment rates 3.6 percent and you don't normally put up 372,000 new jobs a month when the unemployment rates already that low. Yeah. Um, and this follows on, we've been month after month, we've been having these, these big, um, jobs reports. If, if we keep having jobs numbers like that, no one will say it's a recession. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not a recession if jobs are growing like that. Um, but we, we, we're definitely not out of the woods. Hopefully, it's a sign of soft landing, but hmm. you know the Fed is raising rates as fast as as any time in in yeah. modern memory.
7: Does this put you in the uh, seventy five basis point camp, or were you already?
8: Yeah, I the th- th- from from their language, I think seventy five basis points is quite likely, and um, more than two thirds of the recessions in. The United States, since World War II, since we've been keeping track, have started because the Fed raised interest rates faster than the economy can handle. Yeah. So, at a moment where they're raising rates like that, uh, you know, it might not be a knife's edge, but it's it's definitely not. Uh, there's there's not a lot of uh, margin for error.
7: Wage and growth. So
8: if they go too far, it could be a problem.
7: Yeah, of course. There's concern about wage growth here. And, and I don't mean to sound cold, uh, but average hourly earnings up over 5% from a year ago raised a lot of eyebrows. This is good for workers, of course, Austin, but the inflationary aspect is not. Do you see wages cresting I don't know if here? I agree or with that. Tell me why.
8: Well, because it's less than prices. I mean, I thought you were going to say that there are critics uh, on the wage side because the real wage continues to fall. But there's no evidence in this report of a wage price spiral. I mean, the wages are up less than prices are up.
7: So you don't see a tight market exacerbating the inflation problem.
8: So far, not a wage price spiral. Absolutely not. Like I say, the real wage is falling. Yeah. We've we've never had the unemployment rate below 4% in this country. And real wages were going down, not up. Normally, when the unemployment rate is that low and the labor market is this tight, mm-hmm. there's a dramatic increase in the bargaining power of workers. And their real wage goes up. Their wage goes up faster than businesses' prices go up. And the business profit margins shrink. And that's that's what happened in the uh, in the years before COVID. That's what happened at the... At the mid 2000s before the financial crisis, that's what happened at the end of the 90s. All of those were periods where people said, Wow, what a tight labor market. Yes. We have to pay people more than our prices are going up. So we're getting squeezed for all of the smoke that's coming from the business sector about labor shortage. It's pretty notable that business margins have increased and the real wage has not.
7: But if you're an employer and you're paying 5% more than you were a year ago, doesn't that become inflationary?
8: Your prices are up 8% and your costs are up 5%. So your profit margin got bigger. It could become a problem. You should never make too much about trends from one month's numbers. But for wages to be up 5%, which is a decrease, And to be up less than prices, Mm -hmm. as I say, the the good news on the inflation front is that's that's not what a wage price spiral of inflation looks like. Yeah. And you you've at least seen inflation starting to come down and the world price of oil starting to come down. Hopefully that continues.
7: The participation rate fell last month uh, just a bit, but specifically the rate for workers, 25 to 54 hit a four-month low. The number of Americans not in the labor force rose to the highest level that we've seen this year. How come people are not coming back to work the way many expected or hoped?
8: Yeah, uh, Yes and no. I mean, as I say, don't, don't make too much out of any one month's number. Overall, there's an astounding, unexpected increase of people coming back to work. And the, for the much-remarked-upon rise in the quit rate, it's worth emphasizing that the vast majority of people that have quit their jobs quit their job not to go home, but quit their job because they had another job that Mm. paid more than the job they had before. So we'll have to see if this monthly blip is an indicator that participation is actually going down.
7: If you have two openings for every job seeker, though, is that a good thing or not?
8: Uh, Well, you know, compared to what? Uh, I mean, it's good for
7: the worker, but how about the broad economy?
8: Yeah, it's excellent for the worker. The fear you have for the economy is that something, a situation like that could lead to a wage price spiral if you're already starting from a period of high inflation. Mm -hmm. And in a way, the large number of vacancies compared to the how many unemployed workers there are yeah. gives the fed hope that they can do their so-called soft ish landing that you could reduce the number of job vacancies without actually increasing the number of unemployed people. And that would be a, that would be a great accomplishment. Uh, and you know, given the numbers, like what we're seeing this month, it definitely seems more doable. Huh. Um, and and a little less of a risk of stagflation.
7: From your lips today to God's ears.
8: Compared to last year.
7: I want to ask you, Austin Goolsbee, about the messaging around all of this as President Biden refers to the Putin price hike, and Americans see their prices continue to rise. His approval ratings, I don't need to tell you. How would you advise this administration in, in how to talk about these challenges?
8: I you know I always say don't don't ever ask message advice from a guy with a PhD in economics. (laughs) You've done your share. First thing I'd say is don't ask me. But you know I it does feel like the administration's tried several explanations with varied success, and certainly in the polling, people express that they don't think the economy is good. As high a share, if not more, people say it's going badly in the economy. As said so in the middle of the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. So that's been very, how that's happening when the unemployment rate is 3.6% is 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 odd. And you've got the second odd thing happening in the polling data where big majorities say, ask, how's the economy? They say bad. But when asked about their personal situation, they say good. So we've never had a bigger difference between the My own finances are okay. Yes, right. The economy overall is no good. So I kind of think no matter what you say, as long as the unemployment, as long as the inflation rate is as high as it is and until we start seeing progress on the inflation rate, I kind of think it might not make any difference what you say or what how you describe it.
1: Should um, should
7: Democrats seek a reconciliation bill this year or is is that the wrong message?
8: Uh, they probably should on the grounds of what's in the bill, not on the grounds of inflation, because, you know, oh. it's a whole, whole separate topic. But if you pass a bill that has uh, tax increases on mm-hmm. high income people to pay for it, that should have very little impact on how much the economy is overheated. So yeah. I, I think to sp- spin that into the inflation discussion is is a, yeah, I don't know. Well, it, it's, it feels not it's exactly.
7: funny because the president says that'll help the lower prices. Republicans say it'll make inflation worse. It's hard, hard to get a straight yeah. answer. No,
8: I, I think you're right. I kind of think both sides, because inflation's what's on people's mind. Right. It feels like both sides are trying to spin an inflation story about it. And I think it has very little to do with. It
7: appreciate the insights as always austin goolsby we thank you for being with us on bloomberg
8: yeah great talking to you again
7: president biden says today's jobs report is proof that his economic plan is working and again republicans say the very opposite so let's get into the politics around this we'll do it next as we assemble the sound on panel rick davis and Jeannie shanzano are ahead on the fastest hour in politics we'll check traffic for you on the way glad you're with us As I remind you, as ever, to subscribe to the Sound On podcast. You can do it easily, especially if you showed up late on this Friday. Stay with us. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. This is Bloomberg.
0: Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com.
4: This is Bloomberg Sound On on Bloomberg Radio. The headline
7: on the terminal, Biden says private sector employment has fully recovered. Just think about that. After the way things felt two years ago, in the throes of COVID, when people weren't leaving their houses, you'd think we'd have a parade to celebrate that kind of news. All the jobs are back to pre-COVID, but of course, it's not two years ago. With historically high inflation now, a war in Europe, deep political divisions, a malaise, dare I say. It's just a different world, and that's why we assemble our panel to talk it out. Rick Davis is back with us. Jeannie Shanzano here, too. Bloomberg Politics contributors make up our signature panel. Uh, And, Rick, I'll start with you on this jobs report. My goodness, a headline like that you'd think would get a president reelected without even thinking about it. But when you look at the rest of the environment that we're in here, it it doesn't even make a splash today, does it? I don't think people
9: will believe what he's saying. I mean, it's obviously a good report. He's obviously excited about it. It's an accomplishment of his administration to get to this point. I mean, you know, above pre-pandemic levels, nobody thought this was going to happen, certainly this time. But when you look at other tracking mechanisms, like the Mission Consumer Index, which tracks political success also, um, you know, it's the worst it's ever been, and I, we've seen some bad ones, including when I was running a presidential campaign in the middle of a, you know, massive global economic That's downturn, right. and it's worse than that. I mean, it's at the lowest point in its recordings since the 1950s, so consumers aren't buying it. So when he says,
7: hey, this is great news, yeah, I'm not sure anybody's going to agree with him. Well, I want to be fair with what he said as well. Let's listen as he did celebrate, of course, and, 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 and said even more than we played for you about what's going right with the economy. Listen to President Biden frame this uh, in terms of his own economic agenda while also kind of balancing everything else going
5: on. I know times are tough. Prices are too high. Families are facing the cost of the living crunch. But today's economic news confirms the fact that my economic plan is moving this country in a better direction. Jeannie Shanzano, is is that
7: enough? Is he qualifying it the right way?
6: Yeah, when I was listening to the president, I was I kept thinking, you know, he needs to explain why, if the headlines are good and the report is really good, he's right about yeah. that, why does it feel so bad? And it right. sort of sounds like a bad country song, but that's literally the <laughs> message that politically he needs to be able to communicate. The song
7: he's singing, though, is the Putin price hike.
6: <laughs> that's right. And and I'm not sure that that gets to explaining it because, you know, I was listening to the president, then the headlines throughout the day, and every single one of them said, great job numbers but and of course the rule is anything before a but is a lie so great job numbers be damned nobody yeah. cares about that so he's gonna have to do a better job explaining this and you know it's a hard thing to explain and he also needs people in his surrogates out there explaining why there's still a they don't we, we don't all feel so good about this
7: we have breaking news on the terminal that I have to mention that has nothing to do with uh, what we're talking about uh, Elon Musk This is real. Elon Musk terminates Twitter merger agreement. The buyout is off. Twitter stock right now is down 7% after hours. And we'll keep tabs on this for you as we learn more. Of course, we're talking politics here as we wrap up the week in Washington. And the president said uh, a lot more than uh, he did about jobs today. This was actually an event that had to do with the end of Roe v. Wade, uh, the uh, right to life. it's, It's an executive order that he signed, and I'll let the president speak to it here, to try to protect some rights for women. Here's what he said.
5: The executive order directs HHS to identify ways to expand access to reproductive health services, like IUDs, birth control pills, emergency contraception. And equally important, this executive order protects patient privacy and access to information.
7: He spoke passionately uh, about this and directed people to the midterm elections. This was essentially what he said. The fastest and only real way to solve this is to elect two more Democrats to the Senate. Here's the president.
5: I don't think the court, or for that matter, the Republicans who for decades have pushed the extreme agenda, have a clue about the power of American women. But they're about to find out, in my view. It's my hope and strong belief that women will, in fact, turn out in record numbers to reclaim the rights that have taken from them by the court. And let me be clear. While I wish it had not come to this, this is the fastest route available. Record numbers, Rick Davis, is he
7: right?
9: Look, uh, uh, he's going to find out in six months, so uh, we'll see. But the reality is, uh, you know, we've been just talking about the number one issue in America today, which is inflation. It's not abortion. He had a a good opportunity to talk about it today in the context of a really positive jobs report, just the way Goolsby just did with you on the air and made it sound like it was a much more positive impact uh, and that there's a plan going forward that will give us a soft landing on inflation. And he did none of that. He stepped on his own positive message by by pivoting to
7: arguably a more
9: niche issue in abortion, which will be the headline rather than what he was talking about with jobs today.
7: He's he's uh, suggested this before, Jeannie, that that there will be record turnout and turn uh, expectations upside down in November because of that singular issue, because of the row. Ruling, and we've talked a lot about how Democrats can mobilize the base. How does he actually make that happen? How does he realize it?
6: Well, he does what he did today. He tries to use the bully pulpit. I think many people on the progressive left are saying, why didn't he do this to you know earlier? We knew the decision was coming out. Why not that day? Why the next day? He didn't say, you know, the EO today is not, you know, anything really new. Um some people feel like he should have done it much earlier. And then to Rick's point, he could have spent the time today talking about the good jobs numbers. So he had to combine these two things, which is never good. But right. on the issue of mobilization, nineteen ninety-two after after the Casey decision was the year of the women. Women did come out in larger numbers. We do command a large force at, at, at the voting box. So it could be that they are able to get them out, but we simply don't know if that's going to happen. We have to look at the reality. that abortion opponents have long been well-organized. Mm-hmm. And on the left, they're going to have to catch up to that. And this is going to be a test for them.
7: Well, we've talked about the test in the suburbs here, uh, women in the suburbs, Rick, and, and that's obviously who President Biden uh, is talking about here? Is he being presumptuous, though, with the way they feel about this? Yeah, look, I mean, you know,
9: politics is the opposite and equal reaction to force, right? And so you're going to go out and rally your base to um, uh, make the next election count on this issue, uh, and and that's going to that's going to just mobilize Republican voters in the same way, right? There are a lot of suburban women who are pro-life, and and if they believe that the objective of the Democratic Party is to pass a um, uh, uh, you know, a national row uh, uh, bill that will secure abortion uh, nationally, then they're going to be motivated to, to turn out. And so it's a, it's a nonlinear exercise, right? I mean, like, it's not just for Democrats. And, and so every time these messages go out from the president, you know, it's kind of a red flag for Republican uh, pro-life voters, and and so whether you can gain a significant advantage, and it has to be significant this cycle because Democrats are very much in a down cycle, uh, and and they're going to have to really create a multiple effect on this. And I just don't see abortion that it's
7: never had that kind of impact on politics, and it's unlikely to have it now. As we spend time with our panel, Rick and Jeannie are with us. Welcome to Sound On on a Friday, the fastest hour in politics. I feel like I've buried the lead here. And it's where I started with Austin Goolsbee. This report led a lot of smart people today to say, hey, you know what? This is not a recession. And we're not about to go into a recession. Is that the best news that's buried in in today's stream of headlines, Jeannie?
6: It is very good news. You know, the the job numbers are very good. The unemployment rate is very good. The, the fact that it may have, you know, we may not see a recession is very good it's news. It's going to mean
7: more interest rate hikes, though.
6: And that's, that's the bad news. That's the but and what comes after the but. And that's, you know, what the president really, and not just him, but his surrogates, have to do a good job of explaining, you know, why we can't feel and why we're not feeling so good about this yet. And I think, you know, the president, I didn't hear him talk about, Oil prices, gas prices dropping. Goolsby talked about that. Shipping prices dropping. Mortgage rates dropping. There's some good news out there. He's got to keep talking about that and keep reminding the American people he has a plan and we're headed in the right direction, which, you know, when you look at the data, in fact, we are. But you've got to make the case over and over.
7: Stay with us. Rick and Jeannie are here for the hour. Our sound on signature panel On Bloomberg Radio, I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. If you're just joining us, we've got a big breaker. Uh, It's a pretty amazing headline to see, actually. A lot of people predicted it, but it's different when it happens. Elon Musk terminates Twitter merger agreement. It's right there. Says his advisors sent a letter to Twitter formally notifying the company that he's killing the deal. Includes the letter to Twitter in an amended 13D filing, which is why we've got it. And we talk with somebody who's on the beat here, and I'm sure a very busy moment for Mandeep Singh, Bloomberg Intelligence tech analyst with the headline. Mandeep, did you expect to see today?
10: Well, after yesterday, I think the Washington Post uh, news, it, it was kind of getting to a point where the, uh, it was getting closer
7: to a termination. Yeah. He was talking about bots is- a lot in the last couple of hours. I mean, the big story before yeah. this was, was about the bots, right? He didn't believe what he was hearing.
10: Yes, and look, I I think the market, uh, where it is right now with regards to, you know, the other social media names and the valuations for those companies, it was seemingly obvious that – Elon Musk had overpaid given the market uh circumstances and uh I think he was looking to get out of the deal now the bot situation you could argue you know and I'm sure th- uh, there will be a, a suit you know from Twitter uh, they they will end up suing uh, Musk mm. on on this. But mm-hmm. uh, look, for, for, on a standalone basis, you will see Twitter stock really go down to maybe around twenty five, thirty dollars. Wow. Who knows? And uh, I I think from that standpoint, uh, there could be another buyer if if they and and look, uh, it could be a large uh, one of the large tech companies that. Okay. Uh, May uh, think you know Twitter uh, has become cheap enough, and it's it's an attractive asset for the long term. So that is one possible scenario. But uh, I I think Twitter will inevitably sue Musk in this case because he has yeah. terminated the agreement uh, here.
7: Down six percent now, six and a quarter percent in after hours trading as we follow shares of Twitter here uh, in real time on Bloomberg. Uh, Do you think he ever actually meant to buy this company or was this a ploy to change the makeup of Twitter to become a a hero for free speech?
10: I think the time when he announced the merger, he felt like, uh, you know, he had the funding and look, uh, you know, he he sold a bunch of Tesla stock and he had. A few private uh, investors join him in the bid. But the market has changed so much over the course of the last two months that, you know, where the public uh, equity uh, market valuations are, it's seemingly obvious that, you know, $44 billion was a very high price. Uh, uh, given the market conditions. And, uh, he, uh, that's why he's walking back. I mean, the bot situation is really not the make or break factor here, at least yeah. in my opinion, but, uh, that's what he's alluding to in terms of, you know, what has changed materially after he has announced the deal. Sure.
7: Yeah. would Twitter have been talking layoffs, if it were not for Elon Musk,
10: well so uh, Twitter always had that cost structure problem and for any prospective buyer of the company they would have uh, easily uh, recognized the fact that their revenue per employee was much lower and the cost structure was bloated somewhat you know compared to the other social media platforms so I think uh, Twitter would have had to do that anyways but uh, he made that point uh, you know that why does a tech company uh, like Twitter uh, you know, needs so many engineers, and why is the uh, margins uh, higher than where they were, uh, you know, before she announced the deal?
7: Boy, how about it, uh, Mandeep? Thank you so much uh, for the insights. We'll let you get back to filing on this as we uh, continue our coverage, of course, on the terminal and here on the radio with the panel, Rick and Jeannie, and and I, I just would love to ask you both just quickly your thoughts on this, uh, Rick. You. Obviously, you work at Stone Court Capital. You have a, a good feel of, for this side of the business. When something falls apart like this, does it scream lawsuits to you?
9: Yeah, I think that's the first thing you think about. Is there, there's a billion dollar breakup fee? That's not small change, and uh, uh, I'm sure right. Twitter's going to want to uh, get their hands on that as quickly as possible. So, um, uh, regardless of whether uh, Musk was sincere in this bid or. Uh, Whether it was a shield for other business activity, um, he's probably going to pay a
7: price for it, but Hmm. he can afford the billion dollars. (laughs) (laughs) Jeannie, there's a personality story here as well, uh, beyond the business and and, and the financial aspect here. We've been talking about babies being born the last couple of days. Uh, We're talking about boring under L.A., going back to Mars. You add this bizarre saga to Elon Musk's biography. Is it just going to be a
1: footnote?
6: You know, he's, he's got so much to offer, it's hard to tell. It's a big story today, um, but he, I'm sure, has a lot to come. But, you know, as you, you step back, not only, you know, has he overpaid, as Mandeep was just talking about, yeah. um, but, of course who wants to take on Twitter? He has now made himself the king of free speech in the yeah. world. And you can't be the king of free speech when you own the platform. So if he wanted to maintain that, and my sense is that was more important to him than owning Twitter, he had to step away from this. And of course he was overpaying, and he gets much more out of his EV businesses and his other businesses. Yeah. The bot is clearly an excuse to get out of this. And it's a it's a it's probably the biggest breakup fee uh, in the world, if you can imagine. And imagine Imagine if they take him to court and ask for all $44 billion of it.
7: You know what this means, Rick? Donald Trump not coming back to Twitter. Yeah, that's probably the big political
9: news. I wonder if Truth Social is going to go up in price. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure Donald Trump's sitting there going, dang, I was going to hopefully get on Twitter before You're my right. big presidential announcement. But uh, the reality is that, um, you know, this whole idea of free speech, uh, you know, I think a lot of people were really worried about his definition of free speech. and. Uh, and, and unabated uh, non-policed uh, activity on the web is exactly what got us in trouble on January 6 you know when we when we saw the attack on the Capitol. So I think there's only going to continue the debate especially on Capitol Hill. What kind of regulations do these platforms need to have and mm-hmm. and, and, and what kind of government intrusion into that world is there going to be because I don't think it's a question of if it's only going to be a question of what
7: Jeannie, there was a whole uh, free speech conversation that that this started that we've alluded to here a little bit. Um, Is it over now? Does anyone else? I mean, Mandeep mentioned there could be another buyer here. Certainly, if if Twitter bleeds out, maybe somebody comes along to buy it. But we now know how complicated this is. If you're buying that algorithm, boy, you've got a lot of pressure to deal with this in a certain way. Is everyone going to kind of forget that whole part of the conversation?
6: I don't think they'll forget it. I think there will be other buyers. Oh, oh, please, just for us, could Donald Trump be among them? I just hope. <laughs> I don't but... think he can afford it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think he can afford it, but maybe he has friends who can. But I do think there's going to be other buyers. Um, and, and I do think the bot issue will continue to be a concern. But again, I don't think there's real clarity on the fact that this was what, you know, what pushed uh, Elon Musk out of the deal. It seems that for a long time he has been looking for a way out and he has finally found one and he's going to have to now pay the price for that and on the and on the you know the issue of free speech and and absolute free speech that is going to continue to be a huge political discussion in this country and around the world
7: it kind of made him a a political figure in a way that he was not before uh rick is is there a future for that side of elon musk now that he's moving away from twitter he goes back to spacex and tesla but my goodness he was he was tweeting about Not just free speech, but never voting for a Democrat again. And a lot of people were listening.
9: Yeah, a lot of people were listening. I mean, he's got a massive Twitter following. Uh, He is influential to a large segment of uh, society and many voters. So, uh, sure, I think he remains a figure uh, in the political world now that he's sort of entered it. Uh, he doesn't have the platform that he was going to have at Twitter, but uh, he certainly does have a presence on Twitter that uh, is, is only compared to a few individuals. So uh, he's going to he's gonna use his voice. And it wouldn't surprise me that he doesn't have uh, more investments in this area to continue to push uh, his brand of free speech. I mean, and you know, start a new platform. Sure. I mean, uh, he's he's started a lot of platforms. I mean, most Fair uh, enough. We, we, we know about his cars in his in his in his space but uh he's boring tunnels under la he's putting solar panels on roofs he's doing all kinds of things so uh he is unstoppable in as an entrepreneur and i wouldn't be surprised that he shows up somewhere else here
7: i'm looking at his twitter feed he hasn't uh, said anything in 23 hours the last tweet from elon musk super fired up for future product development with our awesome tesla team such an honor to work with them certainly had nothing to do uh, with twitter whose shares we continue to follow after hours Heading lower, but off their lows, at least of the session here, we're down a little bit less than 6%, a little more than $2 a share. Uh, Mandeep mentioned the stock could go down to $25. That would be painful. It's still just below $35 a share with the losses here today.
0: Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more.
8: The big tech
7: team leader, Sarah, thank you for stopping what you're doing to talk with us. We didn't think we'd be having this conversation uh, this afternoon, or did you?
11: Oh, I, I knew something, something was coming, something was brewing. But, you know, we've said over and over again that it, it's not as simple as Elon Musk saying he doesn't want to buy Twitter anymore. There has to be a materially adverse effect um, that changes the nature of the company since he bought it. In order to justify leaving, and and I just wonder, you know, Twitter has said that they are definitely going to bring Elon Musk to court and fight so that he has to to go through with this deal. I just don't know if the bots argument is going to be enough um, for him to get out of it, and and the maybe the stronger argument in his letter, uh, his team's letters to Twitter is about the fact that Twitter has had to do a lot of, of cost cuts and changes mm-hmm. in its business, a lot of a lot of changes to the structure, firing of a couple of senior leaders. Do you but, mean since you know, the bid
7: or, or or over the past since, period of time here?
11: Since the bid over the past yeah. few months. There well, has, that's, there has we
7: were just talking about that. that. Would, so increase. would that have happened? Would layoffs have been in the conversation without Elon Musk?
11: Well, I... I think that they might have still, uh, you know, that's some of the guidance we're getting, just that it is a tough time in the advertising market right now. Meta's no. going through it, Twitter's going through it, Google's going through it, but, you know, maybe not to the extent, I mean, they're sort of in limbo right now at Twitter. They've been waiting for this deal to go through, and there's not that much that they can materially change about the business, and, um, and that's one reason probably why they had to make these changes. Um, but Elon Musk has, has been in communication there. His team has been in communication with Twitter this whole time. Hmm. In my, from my perspective, it looks like he just, he got cold feet here and doesn't want to go through with it, but he already made the deal. It's almost, it's almost too late. So we'll well, they're accusing though Twitter
7: of it. not, uh, not complying with its obligations, right? They say Twitter did not give Elon Musk the, the information he requested and that gives them the out is, you know, he, he continues to, to doubt their, their claims about the number of 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 bots uh, that are actually out there. Uh, does that not stand up in court?
11: Well, you know, we'll have to see. Elon Musk has a, a good track record of getting his way legally. Um, but I think that that you know, usually you do due diligence before you sign a deal contract. And and Elon Musk waived the right to look at a lot of the internal documents at Twitter, and Twitter has handed over access to the the firehose of public tweets. Um, But they've also said, listen, you know, we can't really. No one on the outside can really answer this question of of how many bots there are on Twitter. And in fact, I I think it's almost impossible for anyone, period, even people at Twitter, to answer that question because the definition of what is a bot, it just varies depending on who you talk to. So I really think it's a, a tough spot for the company. And certainly if the deal doesn't go through, it could be um could be even worse.
7: Yeah, that's a heck of a business model. The stock's down uh six percent in after hours trading. Could it be much more severe as we move ahead?
11: I I think, you know, things could could definitely get worse from here. Um we may we may see um, Twitter have to file a lawsuit next, um, and we'll just have to see how it how it works out. I, I think you know it's it's so it's very rare for somebody to agree to buy a, an individual person yeah. to agree to buy a company for forty four billion dollars and not want it. After that, <laughs> it just it is such a rare situation, you guys. I I just.
7: So, um, what are you allowing? For? I
11: don't know that I don't know that we can we can draw on any past experience here. Um, what am I What am I looking for?
7: What are you allowing for with that in mind? What What could happen in your wildest dreams here?
11: Well, I mean, I think that that he could be held to it. Right? He has the financing lined up. He okay. could be. Um, he could find a way out. Um, some of these arguments may work. Um, I, and you know, there could be there could be some other kind of of partial ownership, they could bring bring him to the negotiating table. Maybe Twitter's board, um, rather than go to court, ends up yeah. getting Elon Musk to, to come in and, and come up with some, you know, investment option or some other version of a deal or a deal right. at a lower price. Um, wow. and maybe that, that latter option would be the most likely is that, uh, you know, they say, Hey, hey you know, we still want you to buy Twitter. Maybe <laughs> we could do it for a little less.
7: Wouldn't now that, that be something
11: falling? Right.
7: I love your imagination, uh, Sarah Fryer. How about the idea of other buyers? Who, is there anyone likely on that list? I, I, Twitter was kind of hoping that somebody might show up to, to try to outbid Elon Musk at the beginning. That obviously isn't going to be in the cards, but if we're starting from scratch, Anyone sound realistic?
11: Well, I think that they're they're not going to do much better I think than than 5420 a share, but maybe there's a less dramatic buyer that could come to the table. Yeah. I, I I um don't think that we would be able to see, you know, somebody like Meta or Alphabet do it because there's so much antitrust pressure. So Washington
7: wouldn't let that companies. happen with one of the big tech companies. Microsoft
11: exactly. isn't going to get so, to do that. Yeah, any of the big tech companies would be very tricky. So, so um, you know, Twitter's been on on the hunt for a suitor before. In the past, we've seen Disney, Salesforce, Google consider it. Uh, I I really think that this story could could get wilder, or you know, something could could fizzle and then Twitter will be back to back to the drawing board with itself and <laughs> trying to make trying to make a, a business that yeah. gets the shares back up to fifty four twenty, which is the really tough thing. Boy.
7: Sarah, thanks so much uh for chiming in here. This is great to be hearing from the entire Bloomberg universe. You know, we've had a lot of people who have been working on this story since this all started, and I'm guessing most of them are as shocked as you are. Uh, Jeff Feely joins us right now, Bloomberg News legal reporter with the headline Musk Twitter buyout fight poses question of who might sue first. Jeff, it's inevitable that we're going to court, but how does it start?
3: Well, it just depends on who's got the itchy trigger finger. Okay. Mr. Musk is Mr. Musk is known as being a very aggressive individual. I wouldn't put it past him to try to file something preemptively to ask a Delaware judge, Mm -hmm. hey, bless my my decision to nix this. I'm in the right. Twitter could easily also pull the trigger first. To some degree, they got the stronger hand. They've got an agreement sitting there, signed, sealed, delivered, and negotiated. Yes. And, you know, it's going to be difficult to prove that this bot issue is a material adverse change That sinks the deal.
7: Because there were just as many bots before, right? And Twitter says it already gave Musk the info. And he's obligated now to complete the deal, as you point out in your piece.
3: That's right. The number of bots hasn't changed. And, you know, it's, according to the tech team, folks, it's not unusual to have difficulty segregating out the humans from the robots, you know, or or the (laughs) non-human stuff. you got to have some really... Bad stuff to get a material adverse change ruling in Delaware. We've only had one clear one.
7: So what does that mean for Elon Musk?
3: It means that it means that he's going to have a very tough road to hoe on this.
7: You know, Sarah was talking about the possibility of him being drawn back to the, the negotiating table based on what you just described, uh, you know, the legal mess that could follow. And maybe there's a lower buying price in the end. Is this is this another bizarre negotiating point?
3: Yes, this is done all the time. I call it arbitrage by lawsuit or negotiation (laughs) by lawsuit. Somebody's going to have to file because we're you know we got this game of chicken right here. Yeah. In the end, this could be nothing more than the markets have moved, the valuations off. You guys got to cut the price. Twitter, of course is saying, hold on, buddy. You have negotiated this. You had smart lawyers. You're the smartest guy in the world. Right. You know, you're the richest guy in the world. What do you mean we got to get a new price?
7: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, $54 a share seems a far way off. We're, we're below 37 right now. We're down 7% after hours. What the heck happens on Monday when the markets reopen?
3: Here in old boring Delaware, we call that buyer's remorse. <laughs>
7: Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I I, earlier we talked to to Mandeep on the air about this. He says it could go down to twenty five dollars if that happened. Wouldn't Twitter maybe turn around and say, hey, let's find another buyer here. This is this is obviously selling at a discount.
3: I mean, you're beyond my legal expertise, but common sense would say yes.
7: I don't mind going beyond your your expertise here, (laughs) because I, I think it'd be fun to take you completely off the rails uh, <laughs> at this point, think, Jeff, because you're, you're fun to talk to. but I, know, I,
3: think, I think my colleague that just was on said it best. I mean, they've tried this before. They've looked around, yeah. and, you know, there's no ice cream sitting there waiting for anybody to scoop up.
7: <laughs> yeah, understood. But is Elon Musk laughing right now while we're talking about this, knowing that he's going to end up buying Twitter at a lower price?
3: I saw something that said, he thrives in the environment of chaos. Hmm. So is he laughing? Probably. I saw him on the stand and he thinks he's terribly funny. Believe me. <laughs> okay. but, but, uh, but, you know, this is, this is billions of dollars, serious business. I wouldn't be laughing.
7: Well, he's talking on Saturday night in Sun Valley, uh, right? He's talking at the close in Sun Valley, the big closer. Uh, does, it, does he mention I this or is that a legal liability? I'm asking you that seriously.
3: Yeah, well, I, I think he's not, I think he has to not say a word at can't. this point about this. Yeah, I would say again, I don't, you know, I'm not a complete M&A lawyer. I just play one on TV, but you know, <laughs> it's, I think he's got to not say a word.
7: Find Jeff's column uh, on the terminal. Musk Twitter buyout fight poses question of who might sue first. And you can see a little more where Jeff is going here. Jeff, you need to have your own show. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's what I need. I need to get paid twice, have a radio show, and
7: do what I do. That's great. Yeah, let's get paid twice. I like the world you live in. Jeff Feely, fantastic. I'm delighted that we got Jeff's uh, comment in there as we reassembled our panel. Uh, Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics contributors. We didn't know we'd be talking about this this evening. We had a whole different plan, as a matter of fact. But this really is something here, uh, Rick, with your experience in the investment world. Is, is this hardball negotiating? Yeah. Well, I, who knows if it's a negotiation?
9: I mean, I think you'll almost have to be. take – you have to take Musk um, at his word, which is he's walking away from this transaction. And as Jeff was saying, there are all kinds of consequences legally to that depending upon – who files first and who's angry and 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 if there's a scoop of ice cream laying around for somebody else to pick <laughs> up but uh i I, we, I i now have a new business theory the scoop of ice cream theory <laughs> i like uh, it i love it uh and so um so look this is going to play out and i do think uh saturday will be interesting to see what elon musk says because i mean he is not used to listening to lawyers i mean you know right. anybody you would talk to would say lawyer up now do no more further damage. Don't right. give anybody an opportunity. And this guy will not take that advice. I mean, we could learn all kinds of interesting new things from him. And and he does win more than he
7: loses, you know, in the court of law. So does he have his a fixed legal team or, or I mean, my goodness, when if you're the richest person in the world, you're not you're not hiring new lawyers, are you?
9: Oh, uh, first of all, he's got a fixed legal team, but he's also got access to every lawyer in the world. And yeah. and 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 if you are the richest man in the world, you don't care how many lawyers you have. <laughs> it's <laughs> just it's, get more. It, it's, it's a rounding error. So uh, for him, he's going to find people who can do the best possible job of representing him, uh, regardless of what whether it's a suit that he's filing against. Uh, uh, Twitter or whether Twitter's coming after him or shareholders. Remember, there are a lot of shareholders who've seen since his offer, yeah. their value in Twitter go down in half. And right. they're not going to be very happy about this. So the third party out there or all the shareholders are sitting there looking at us, wait a minute. You know, we, are, we have a lawsuit uh, waiting to file. Uh-huh.
7: Then there's the workforce Jeannie, and they have been uh, through a tumultuous time here. Uh, you know, it's been outrage uh, for some. Elon Musk did address the workforce. Layoffs have, been, uh, have become a reality and, and a lot of questions about what they might be headed for. Uh, how do you recover from that level, from a management standpoint, when, when you've got a workforce that's been traumatized?
6: yeah, it's going to be difficult, and it's going to depend, of course, on if you know Elon Musk eventually ends up coming back into this deal or somebody else takes it and who the management ends up being. And of course, you know this idea that he could use this bot issue and use that as a materially adverse effect is hogwash. He himself tweeted in late April that if the bid succeeded, they're going to defeat the spam bots or die trying. So how could he now flip around or his lawyers, better yet, and say that this was a materially adverse effect? So, uh, you know, he has himself in quite a bind, but I do think that he's going to say something. (laughs) If you know, if you follow Elon Musk, I mean, he may very well say something out in Sun Valley, and there's a lot of people out there with him, including one of our favorite other favorite joe is joe mansion so That's it's quite right. a gathering out there and sure you know is. when the first time they tell him not to speak he's probably going to say something right away
7: all right we don't have much time left here but we're going to add one more voice to this conversation rick and Jeannie, stay right where you are as kurt wagner joins us bloomberg news tech reporter uh who's literally been filing on this in real time and i appreciate you getting on the line with us here kurt what's going through elon musk's mind tonight <laughs>
12: Uh, I guess he's finally got what he wanted, which is, you know, to to get out of this deal, which is what it feels like he's wanted for a couple of weeks now. I thought that he would try to renegotiate the price. Um, Maybe he did behind the scenes, and that didn't work, so he said, okay, I'm going to walk, I don't know. But I think if you followed this, you could tell that from the last few weeks, he's really been, uh, you know, backtracking from this original excitement of buying Twitter in late April to – Constantly, kind of, uh, you know, pouring water on this deal. And so, you so you believe I, I he did want to buy it legitimately
7: it. Right. at one point. This was a real effort to buy this company.
12: It's hard to say that it wasn't. If you're willing to uh, go, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I. It's hard for me to imagine the kind of person who would go through this whole thing without having an intention of doing it. But uh, sure. think of what has happened at the stock market over the last two months, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the Twitter deal he made in April looked a lot different than what a Twitter deal would look like today. And obviously, he didn't know that at the time.
7: Okay, so could this go back to the drawing board?
12: Well, I don't know, because right now he signed a merger agreement. Twitter said that it's planned uh, and planning to enforce that merger agreement. Yeah. I don't think it's really in Twitter's interest to you know, give him a lower price when he's already agreed to buy it for fifty four twenty dollars a share. So I think this is going to a court more than it is going back to a, yeah. a negotiating table. Yeah, we have quite an escapade here uh, in court coming
7: up. How long does that take? Do we have any sense? I mean, is this tied up in court for for years, Kurt? Uh,
12: I don't know, because this isn't something that happens very often. Um, (laughs) This is a question I asked a few weeks ago, and most of the response I got from people was like, we're not really sure because we haven't seen, you know, this is rare, right? Mm -hmm. So it's possible they settle. I, I would probably think both sides would be very eager to settle to avoid doing something that could take, you know, months, if not years. Um, but you know, a lot of this is sort of uncharted, I think, especially with the, the big names that are involved.
7: Kurt, we just got a, a statement from Twitter. It's probably in your email uh, from Chairman Brett Taylor. This is the official line from the company and the first we're hearing of it. The Twitter board is committed to closing the transaction on the price in terms agreed upon with Mr. Musk, sounds a lot like what Kurt was just saying, and plans to pursue legal action to enforce the merger agreement. We are confident we will prevail in the Delaware court, uh, they do have a quite a leg to stand on here, Kurt. They say they already gave all of the information that Elon Musk requested. So it's now up to Musk to prove they did not?
12: I think I think that's right, because again, he the agreement is signed, right? So at this point, if he wants to break that agreement, he needs to be the one to kind of prove that Twitter did something wrong here. And um, we don't know exactly what Twitter shared with him, the company clearly, as you just read, is, is claiming that they've shared everything necessary. Um, so I think it's going to be up to him to prove that they, you know, acted in bad faith in, in some way.
7: How does this start Monday morning in
6: court?
12: <laughs> um, I imagine it takes the lawyers a little bit more time to to uh, uh, get into a courtroom, but I'm sure there's going to be paperwork filed. I wouldn't be shocked if there's yeah. stuff filed by the end of the weekend.
7: That's more what I mean. Yeah, incredible. Uh, good luck with your coverage this weekend. Something tells me Kurt's working. Kurt Wagner, great talk. Thank you for being here. Bloomberg News Tech Reporter, as we bring you as many voices of authority that we can on this story uh, breaking if you're just joining us. It's uh, it's not looking good for Twitter in the after-hours session, now down 9% uh, after Elon Musk announces that he is pulling out of the deal. Final thoughts from Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano. Uh, Your insights in the clutch are ever valuable here, uh, Rick. This is going to be an interesting couple of days. As we've already pointed out, anything could happen in Sun Valley. And every time that Elon Musk walks in front of a camera or or I guess a Twitter feed, uh, this could change. I'm amazed, though, that we haven't seen him tweeting, aren't you?
9: Yeah, I mean, maybe the lawyers have prevailed and, and gotten him to lawyer up a little bit, but uh, I just don't know how long that can last with Elon Musk, right? I mean, he's he's more right than wrong, and he's not going to just listen to uh, a bunch of lawyers who are trying to protect his his interests. He's going to yeah. believe that he's got to defend himself, especially because he will probably come under withering attack over the weekend, and he'll pay attention to that. So he'll, I'm sure there'll be a reaction
7: genie at one point there was the idea of making twitter a public trust essentially that it would become a nonprofit. you know if you really wanted to realize the town square the digital town square concept you have to get the ads off of there you have to get rid of the algorithms and make it as pure as you can does that conversation come back or is that just happy talk nobody nobody's going to be spending money on that
6: you know, it, it is a way to address some of the speech issues, but but I'm not sure that in this day and age, that's you know a likely scenario. I think you know, depending on what happens with with Elon Musk and and with Twitter, that if there are other buyers in the offing, this is you know still a very very valuable platform yeah. and depending how, on how much they can get it's it is a valuable platform and i do think you're going to have other buyers in the offing if not elon musk and they renegotiate this thing and mm-hmm. i think this makes the weekend a lot more interesting than it otherwise was going to be
7: sylvia is uh, tweeting at us here Jeannie, and says what about other buyers microsoft tech companies google and so forth. Uh, Rick, that that's uh, that's a problem in Washington, though, right? As we discussed earlier this hour, the antitrust element just makes that impossible.
9: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the, the only group of people uh, that uh, Congress dislikes more than China is big tech. And the likelihood of more consolidation is going to be very hard to pull off, either at the Justice Department, which has a whole new of, uh, batch of, of of lawyers who are anxious to break up big companies, uh, to Capitol Hill, who uh, want to diminish the power that these groups have over the public discourse. And I would say the one guy I'm really anxious to hear from is President Biden, mm. because his war with Elon Musk is legendary. And I can't imagine him not taking a shot into this. Somewhere.
7: Wait, you know, that's a great point. Are we going to hear from Joe Biden, you know, on his way to the uh, on his way to the airplane this weekend when he's heading out of town, Jeannie?
6: Uh, I, I would hope we don't. He should He should have learned his lesson and stay out of this, but we very well might because he gets very frustrated <laughs> with Elon Musk, obviously. And, you know, and I think Sylvia does raise a really, a really good point. But I do agree with Rick. I, I think, you know, this is going to be fascinating to see how this plays out in the courts. But, you know, I think there's still a possibility they renegotiate this thing and this could be a negotiating uh, you know ploy on his part, and they could yeah. uh, you know settle this out of court because imagine that fiasco if they try to do it in court.
7: Boy, what a conversation! Nonstop, fastest hour in politics and business, depending on the day. Rick Davis, thank you. Great to have you back. And genie Shanzano, of course, your insights ever valuable here in the conversation on Bloomberg Radio. Sound on is the name of the program. You should absolutely subscribe to the podcast and be like Sylvia. Send us a tweet while we're on the air you can be part of this conversation as well. Following shares after hours and coming up with more on Wall Street Week with David West, and this is Bloomberg.
4: Top Two is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy.
1: The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid to large size companies like yours to help manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Join global business leaders and investors at the Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit returning to Singapore on July 31st. Take part in solutions-driven discussions on how to drive business value and unlock opportunity while remaining nimble in times of change and greater ESG accountability. Learn more at bloomberglive.com slash sustainablebizsingapore. That's bloomberglive.com slash sustainablebizsingapore.